Welcome to episode 45 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level, played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, being a great teammate, and part of a community. That's why Team Ohio's premier Tier 2 hockey program welcomes youth players ages 5 to 18 years old to join the nationally lauded program. With reasonable fees, transparency, and athlete development, that has prepped players for teams at all levels. Team Ohio is here to coach players for success, both on and off the ice. Go to teamohio.com to learn more. Well, last week we took a much needed break in the action. Before we did though, we had the chance to sit down with the four head coaches that made up this year's Ohio High School State Championship Final Four. It was great to get all four guys together, kicking around some ideas for bettering the future of our game, as well as listening to the guys tell their team's journey to the Frozen Four. Uh, really good uh, discussion uh, two weeks ago with those gentlemen. Uh, as I would assume a lot of our listeners know, Lev, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to play in the Final Four this year, and we were fortunate enough to even play in the championship game. I want to uh, send out a personal congratulations uh, to all four teams, uh, but to uh, Toledo St. Francis, Coach uh, Varga, and his team for winning uh, the state championship this year. Uh, it was a good game. It was a hard game, but uh, uh, I'm happy for those guys and happy for Coach Varga. One of the things that seemed to be a consensus amongst the uh, the four coaches involved and uh, and with many of the other coaches that we spoke to over the course of the last month plus was the need for two divisions. And I think that that's something that uh, Commissioner Doug Ute, uh, Executive Director, excuse me, Doug Ute, and uh, – and Ronald Sayers need to really listen to the coaches and the organizations involved in high school hockey. And, and nobody likes a blowout game, both sides of it. Doesn't matter what it is to listen to the four coaches that, that were fortunate enough to make it to the final four in Columbus. Uh, they don't like it. You know, the guys down in Southern Ohio that put on their own tournament for the teams that, that pretty much just opt out of the state tournament. They don't like it. I think it's time that uh, sweeping changes need to be had. And unfortunately, the second uh, guest last uh, two weeks ago was Executive Director Doug Ute of the OHSA. But uh, a note on uh, Columbus in the Final Four. Hats off to the guys down there. They did a, a banner job. It was not easy to put that together, let alone make it go off uh, seemingly flawless. And uh, just it was it was a good time. And and again, it pushes the the, the needle again for – we need two divisions. More people need to experience that. Yeah, as long was, as they don't take our place, I'm, I'm fine with it. But nonetheless. No, it, it was it was a great experience. And uh, I know it was a great experience for all the guys on our team and uh, got a chance to, you know, speak to some of the, the guys from the other teams and, you know, how they were having a good time and, and spoke with uh, Walsh Jesuit coach afterwards a little bit. And so it was just, you know, it was a good weekend. And, uh, you know, again, congratulations to uh, St. Francis and Coach Varga and those guys. Like you mentioned, Jay, on the second half of our show two weeks ago, we had the privilege of spending some time with the Executive Director of Ohio High School Athletic Association, Mr. Doug Ute. Uh, among some of the topics that we discussed uh, was having the idea of two two divisions. And, and obviously, you just spoke your mind on on what you felt or think about that. And I think that's kind of kind of the same thought. I know there are some people that don't want the two divisions. I, I forget who we were talking to, Lev, but... Somebody mentioned this is the only sport. I mean, you are you are a state champ. You're not a Division One state champ. You're not a Division Two state champ. You are a state champ, and uh, so there's there's arguments for both sides, right? You know, so uh, and then you know we talked to him about moving through the Final Four to a different site, uh, give uh, the fans a different base of experience with what they had to work with. Uh, I really thought that they did a, they did a nice job. You know, we had an opportunity to skate in the morning before or the day before our first semifinal game. And it was the most pristine ice uh, we've skated on all year. Ice maintenance, ice yeah. maintenance. 
local establishment that we are housed in ice maintenance. Now it was, the ice was quick. It, it was beautiful. I mean, the whole, the whole thing was just great. And I mean, obviously take away the, uh, the outcome for us, it wasn't exactly where we wanted to be at all, but hats off to coach Varga and the boys at, at St. Francis. Um, in regard to moving the state tournament around, I mean, we, we don't want to get out of context. I understand this is a COVID year. This is a, a this is just a strange year. Anything about going to that final four is not in question. But it's right. giving different fan bases the opportunity to experience that so we can continue to grow the game throughout the state. And that that's it. That's all I'll say on that. But uh Well, I, I do want to say something else real quick and Okay. And uh, I'm not even sure, Jay, if I if I shared this with you. I don't. I mean, it's been it's been a long week, if you say the least, right? Right. So uh, there's been a handful of coaches uh, out there that have either won the state tournament in in the finals or they lost the state tournament in the finals. Uh, Coach Varga uh, has done both numerous times, and I believe that's what that was his third or second as a head coach. Uh, he lost it three times, I believe. Uh, so uh, about a week went by, and last Friday, uh, Coach Varga called me on my cell and said, hey, I'm calling because I've been in your shoes before, and I just check it in on you, Sully. How's it going? How's everything? This and that, yada, yada. And I felt, I mean, and I just, you know, on the air, I, I mean, I thanked him numerous times, but on the air, I want to thank Coach Varga for doing that. That right there is sportsmanship. That's not gamesmanship. It's sportsmanship. And and there's a big difference. And uh, those, that organization of St. Francis is, is very fortunate to have a guy like Chris Varga. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's parents that don't agree with everything he does and that's fine. Uh, but when you get him in his true sense and he's calling the coach that he played and defeated in the first state championship, just to check in because he's been on that other side. Very classy, man. Very classy. Absolutely. This week we sit down with a head coach. And this is going to be a great talk because this head coach has uh, been around. I've been around, you know, and, <laughs> and this guy has uh, over 500 wins at the NCAA level. Uh, he's also an educator with the USA hockey education system. We're going to be able to sit down with the head coach of the Mercyhurst Lakers, coach Rick Gotkin. I look forward to that exciting show in store for sure. But before we get to coach Gotkin, What's going on with you guys? Well, Danny just won MIA. Yeah, I don't know where the hell he, he just disappeared. Went. There he is. There's I'm our back. guy. There's Snoopy. Um, I was telling Love before the show started. We have now uh, we're big fans of Snoopy in this house. Oh, okay. So I think we have watched the 1972 classic Snoopy Come Home 50 times this weekend. What's the bird's name? Tweety? No, not Tweety. Uh, Woodstock. Woodstock does. I still like when, uh, I don't know who it is. Lucy, is that her name? She holds the football for Charlie. Oh, yeah. She keeps pulling it out from underneath him. So isn't Snoopy Charlie's dog? Yes. The show makes zero sense now when you rewatch it. Because okay. Charlie Brown's depressed all the time, but it's like you have the, you own the coolest dog in the world. Like his nickname is Joe Cool. <laughs> but yet the kid's depressed all the time. Maybe he's depressed because the dog's cooler than him. Maybe. Wasn't he a World War One flying ace at one time too, Snoopy? He was. He ran for president. Um, he's Did done he it all. <laughs> I don't know if he won or not. We never get to that part of the book. I don't know, if, and I don't know if I want to get on that topic right now. <laughs> Yet. You know, we. I don't know. I mean, sooner or later, Snoopy might be deemed inappropriate, like Pepe Le Pew. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, what's that song? Uh, WAP? Is it? Yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah, Jay. I know. I, I know. I, I, you know, that's a whole nother show. That, uh, Love, how's whatever. your week been? Whatever. How's your week been? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, uh, it's been interesting. It's been getting back to normal. Uh, both of my kids had their birthdays. Well, one at his one, my son had his birthday on Saturday. My daughter's is Thursday. Did you guys do a, like a lunch or a dinner, Jay? Yeah, we had a lunch. Uh, we had uh, what the kids wanted. The kids wanted hot dogs. Now, I don't know about you all out there, so yourself included. 
I have never once in my entire life wanted pickles with hot dogs. Dude, they put them on the Chicago dogs all the time. I'm from Cleveland, bro. Well, I, I understand uh, that. So am I. But but <laughs> but they put them on. They put them on the the, the Chicago style dog. Well, that's what we do here. So we had pickles for lunch. The kids loved it. Do you put and... the pickles on the dogs? No, I don't. I don't. I'm a I'm a, I'm a golf club or golf course uh, hot dog kind of guy. I know we played a lot of golf together. I know you like I your know. hot dogs. I man. love my just... hot dogs. Doesn't matter what time of the day it is either. I'm I'm getting a hot dog at the turn, and, and that's just what you do. And it's kind of like pickles at lunch. That's just what you do. What so you do. other than that, it's just uh, reacclimating myself to normal life with no hockey now that it's finished for the uh, season. And uh, yeah, that's it. Just the birthdays. You know, it's excellent uh, family planning. Really does wonders for the pocketbook. Christmas, birthdays, wife's birthday, anniversary. Oh. Then we go ahead and turn ourselves into June, and we're flat broke. Oh, taxes too. Throw the tax man in there, and we're flat broke by June. So it's a good time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's been a good week. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, uh, I got some good news on the uh, gardening front. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, we're back. We're back on the gardening front. My uh, my garlic is starting to pop up from the soil right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I, I thought I told a buddy this today that I did eight, uh, but actually I did 16 cloves. And so I, I've got like four or five sprouts coming up. So hopefully, I mean, this is the first time I've done the garlic. So we'll see what happens and uh, go from there. It's almost time cooking with Sully. Yeah, yeah, it's coming. Trust me, it's well, coming. Man- management, you know, he's, he's up in arms. He's- Dude, you know where he's at right now? You know why he's not joining us? Where? He's down in Florida. Of course he is. Probably with that last uh, ad read, we pushed it over the edge. He decided to take the wife and kid down to Florida. He says to me, he goes, I text him. I asked him a question. He goes, sorry, I didn't see this. I'm in Florida. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll stay in Cleveland and work, but you go to Florida. What's, what do you think he's doing in Florida, Jay? What do I think Scott's doing in Florida? I mean, everybody wants a nice game, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's drumming up business down there. He's trying to get uh, some some more ad reads for us. Uh, he's probably wearing Tevas with a Boston Red Sox hat because I don't think he owns anything else. And God bless him. But, you know. This episode of Ohio Hockey Digest is brought to you by <laughs> Blue Shell Crab. Blue Shell Crab. Come down. Don't get the crabs. Eat the crabs. <laughs> don't get the crabs. Eat the guy like where we're going. This is going to turn into a gong show. I love it. Yeah. that's <laughs> what, He's going to come back with all these reads, you know. You know, this, this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by. <laughs> Ocala Sunshine Tours. <laughs> are you a, are you a senior citizen in need of a night out? Jump on the Ocala Nighttime Tours. We'll go take it to Gator Country. I don't know what the hell he's doing down there, but it's it's probably something Boy Scout related, you know. And but good for him, good for them. Get away. This episode is brought to you by Jimmy John's Surf Shop. <laughs> Come get a wax. Best surf shop in the Panhandle. Jesus. Anyhow, so he's down there. Our listeners are probably thinking, "What in the heck is going on with these?" Well, guys today? you know, when when the old man's away, when the management's away, we're gonna play. Right. I was telling some of you, you've heard me say this before. I, I kind of rattled somebody's cage the other day when, I, when they were like, hey, you got to be there. Uh, early bird gets the worm. And I'm like, yeah. And the second mouse gets the cheese. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks at me, goes, doesn't make any sense. I'm like, OK, you be the first mouse. You'll yeah. get the cheese. Get your head snapped. Then I'll take the cheese. <laughs> get, did you tell him you get your head snapped? I did. I wasn't in, I wasn't I was in a vulnerable situation. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so he, he was, he's like, oh, the kids got to, the, the students got to be, this was at a, a meeting at yeah. school. The students, they should, you know, they should be like the early bird. Early bird gets the worm. I'm like, or the second mouse gets the cheese. He looks across the board, the the, the meeting table. He's like, I I don't think, I think you want to be first, right? And I'm like, go ahead, you be the first one. You get your head snapped. I'll take the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. I love it. Oh, whatever. <laughs> He was he was looking. He was a very educational, astute man. He looked at me very uh, perplexed, like, "What in the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, but you know, he's at home right now. That that was dinner conversation that night. Sure. He went home and told everybody at home, "You got to hear this one." <laughs> so, well, like I mentioned, going to be an exciting show for sure uh, with Coach Gotkin. Uh, let's get into the digest and see what's making news in the world of hockey today. 
The Columbus Blue Jackets traded Cleveland Monsters goaltender Vinny Vivalainen to the Toronto Maple Leafs last week in exchange for defenseman Miko Lettinen, a veteran of the top pro league in Finland. Lettinen is not expected to make his way to Cleveland, however, and was assigned to the Blue Jackets taxi squad. The Ohio State women's team fell behind 3-0 to the University of Wisconsin at the women's Frozen Four in Erie on Friday. Came back within a goal, but fell short by a final score of 3-2 in a tremendous hockey game. Shyla Edwards of Cleveland Heights got a chance to play in the championship game with the Badgers. Annie Fitzgerald's, a previous guest of ours, Northeastern Huskies advanced to the championship game. However, Annie's team fell short in overtime. The Toledo Cherokee earned a spot at USPHL Nationals with a two-game sweep of the Pittsburgh Vengeance in the Great Lakes Division playoffs. Toledo won their first two games in the round robin, but a 5-2 loss to the Carolina Junior Hurricanes kept them out of the national semifinals. Nevertheless, it was a great season for the Cherokee with a lot of local talent suiting up for head coach Kenny Miller. We look forward to catching up with Coach Miller soon. Let's see what's going on with the Cleveland Monsters in this week's Monsters Minute. The Cleveland Monsters will host the Texas Stars in a three-game series on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. At 8-4-2-0, the Stars are directly ahead of the fourth-place Monsters in the Central Division standings. Cleveland sits at 4-4-1-0 on the year after last week's 5-2 loss at Grand Rapids. In a loss, Wyatt Newpower scored his first pro goal while veteran defenseman Dylan Simpson netted his third of the year. The Monsters have made several roster moves over the last couple of weeks. Goaltender Vaney Vavelainen was recalled to Columbus' taxi squad and traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for defenseman Miko Leitinen, who will report to the taxi squad. Goaltender Hayden Stewart was signed to a PTO by the Monsters last Thursday and figures to serve as a backup until 2017 third-round pick Daniil Tarasov joins the team following the conclusion of his season in his native Russia. Stewart has spent the majority of his pro career at the SPHL level, suiting up for 59 games. Forward Josh Dunn signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Blue Jackets and made his pro debut with the Monsters against Grand Rapids. The 22-year-old served as a captain at Clarkson University last season and totaled 55 points over 78 games at the NCAA Division I level. The Monsters Minute is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. The second period of this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. Visit www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn about spring drop-in sessions or to register for a summer league draft. Let's get on-air with Mercyhurst University's head ice hockey coach, Rick Gotkin. Our guest tonight has spent the last 33 seasons as the head coach of the Mercyhurst University men's ice hockey team. He's the only coach in NCAA history to take a team to the NCAA tournament at all three levels. He's amassed over 500 wins, six NCAA appearances, and five league championships. He's a member of the NCAA men's and women's ice hockey rules committee and a frequent speaker at USA Hockey Coaches Clinics and Symposiums. Please welcome on air the 2015 inductee to the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame head coach of the Mercyhurst Lakers, Rick Gotkin. Well, Coach, thanks for joining us. And can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in this great game of hockey? Well, you know what? Just like uh, every young kid, you know, I started at an early age playing and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, I was born in uh, Brooklyn, New York, of all places, and uh, started to play in the the Metropolitan Junior Hockey League. My family had then moved out to the Long Island area, and I played at the different levels with different people. And I I was always uh, really inspired by... uh, uh, my coaches, you know, the, the youth hockey coaches I came in contact uh, uh, with every day. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't play high school hockey per se back in those days, uh, but I did play some junior hockey in, uh, in, in New York, Long Island. And then, you know, started moving around. And, you know, obviously uh, my, my big thing was going to college. Uh, I went to a uh, what was a two year college back then, uh, State University of New York at Canton. Um, and uh, it was only a two-year program and uh, completed that, played for a, uh, a Hall of Fame guy in Terry Martin, who was an absolute outstanding person and a great coach. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, 
uh, transferred to SUNY Brockport, where I played for the for the late E.J. McGuire. Um, and again, just uh, he was super impressionable on me, on uh, just the kind of person he was, the kind of coach that he was. Uh, uh, E.J. was light years ahead of his time with video back then and, and things like that. So uh, I think my journey was typical of a lot of people. Um, you know, and really, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher by uh, by profession. Uh, uh, you know, that was my major in, in college. Uh, I have a certification in teaching, wanted to be able to stay in the game somehow. And I thought perhaps coaching would be a good way to do that. So after I graduated, I bounced around a little bit, took a lot of uh, part-time assistance jobs, a lot of volunteer assistance jobs. And my big break came uh, in 1987 uh, when I joined the staff at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, RPI, in Troy, New York, working for Mike Odessa. Uh, and I was a full-time assistant coach and I was there for two years. And then I saw an ad for a, uh, a job that no one really knew uh, much about in Erie, Pennsylvania at Mercyhurst uh, uh, back then college and threw my name in the hat. And like they say, here I am. <laughs> so, so, so what led you to Mercyhurst? Uh, you know what? I, I was a, a young assistant and wanted to uh, have a chance to perhaps be a head coach. And I was kind of thinking because I had that Sudiac background. And I think at the time, the State University of New York at Fredonia was looking for a, uh, a head coach. And it's ironic because uh, one of my really good friends, Jeff Meredith, uh, is the head coach there. And I want to say he might he might be at uh, Fredonia almost as long as I've been at Mercyhurst. And I, I think uh, I, I think the, the Mercyhurst job uh, wasn't very attractive back then. Uh, because nobody heard of Mercyhurst. They really didn't have a hockey program. They they had just come off a year of club hockey. So they had played a little bit of uh, uh, club hockey. Uh, they played some Division three games. I even think they might have played Notre Dame uh, that year when Notre Dame was kind of transitioning into uh, different phases. So uh, nobody really wanted the job at, uh, at Mercyhurst. And uh, I was called for an interview. I came in. I, I, I liked what I saw. I liked what I heard. Uh, there was some great potential. There was no rank. There was, there was really not a lot. Uh, but it felt like I had a blank canvas. And I could maybe do something that not a lot of people have a chance to do. And that was to really start a competitive program and see where it went. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I kind of thought I'd be here for a couple of years. And maybe that would lead to the next big thing. You know, and a couple of years go quick and 33 years later, I'm um, <laughs> still, still trying to, to figure it out, but it's been, it's been great. Coach, when you started at Mercyhurst, you, you alluded to a little bit, we were doing some uh, club games and then they were a little, little bit of D3. When you, when you took over, was it sanctioned NCAA yet? Or were you in D3? Was it in D2? Which, where, where was the program at when you took over? Yeah, we were, uh, we were, it's interesting because we were, uh, we, we are a division two athletic department. So that's everything that Mercyhurst is. Okay. But what we did back then, there was really not a lot of division two hockey. So we were able to say, if we didn't give athletic scholarships, which we didn't, um, then we could play pretty much in the Eastern Collegiate Athletic Conference. And that back then it was a lot of Sudiacs. It was Elmira. It was RIT. Um, it was teams like that. And again, you had uh, Brockport and Fredonia and Plattsburgh and Cortland and uh, Geneseo and, and whatnot. So uh, the only thing we couldn't do is we could uh, three national championships. So uh, Division II uh, uh, national championships still existed my first couple of years and we had the uh, fortunate experience to play in a couple of those tournaments but we kept running into a team called Bemidji that was really really good and never able to win one of those division two national championships but we pretty much played division three hockey uh, all regular season and then when it came time for the national championship the division three teams would play for the division three national championship if they qualified and we qualified for the division two national championship just based on our record overall so but it was a varsity sport when i first came in okay. gotcha gotcha now throughout the years you have sent uh guys to the pro ranks and, and have had much success but your team 
has always been known for their efforts off the ice, both in the classroom and in the community as well. Uh, why is that such an important part to you uh, to have that be a success in order to have on ice success? Well, I'll be honest, and I, and I think you know this. I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, we, we've been fortunate, like you said, we've had, and again, we're just a small, small school playing Division One hockey, and it's been great. But, you know, we, we've had seven guys sign NHL contracts. Out of that seven, only one guy's played in one NHL game, which is pretty cool. I think in some of the bigger schools, that's not a big deal. You know, they, they get seven guys a week that sign NHL contracts. <laughs> uh, you know, for us, it's a pretty significant accomplishment. Uh, but I think we all recognize, you know, you're here to be a student athlete. And uh, again, ours have done very well academically. Uh, they embrace being a student athlete, you know, and we really think it's important that we give back. You know, we try to get our guys involved in the community the best way we can. You know, they do a lot of youth hockey things, uh, habitat uh, of humanity, uh, uh, you know, some other things in and around, uh, uh, you know, Erie. And, and again, you know, Mercyhurst is very much into service and service learning. And it's a requirement that our kids do that. And uh, our guys, like I said, embrace that. And, and they've done very well. So, you know, as, as proud as we are about some of the things that they've accomplished on the ice, we're equally as proud, maybe more so, uh, is proud is the things that they've accomplished off the ice, like you said, both academic and, you know, helping out in and around the community. Well, coach, you've been at Mercyhurst for, you know, a couple of years, as you said, a couple of years waiting for the next big thing. What makes Mercyhurst attractive to a prospective hockey player? Well, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of student athletes out there, you know, I mean, uh, uh, just like there's, there's, I, I believe there's a hockey program for everybody, a college hockey program for everybody. And, and the key is you have to get the right fit. You know, it's all about the fits. You could be a good hockey player and, you know, you go to uh, North Dakota, which obviously is uh, uh, a great hockey program. This week they were back in the number one spot in the NCAA poll. I mean, you go there um, and you're content with being a fifth line guy or maybe not even make uh, that you've made a great decision. You know, but again, you know, you have to be content with your decisions. And again, you know, I believe, you know, people think the sun sets and rises on Division One athletics. And I could tell you it's not true because I played what was Division Two hockey way back when. I played in a junior college way back when. I've coached Division Three hockey. I've coached Division Two hockey. Um, I could tell you, you know, it's about opportunity. It's about development. It's about growth. It's about, uh, you know, being with your teammates, peers. You know, when I talk to the guys that graduate, they've been long gone and, and whatnot, the alums, you know, they, you know, I ask them what they miss. You know, they, they really don't miss me or, or they miss this. They don't miss that. What they miss, they miss the locker room. You know, yeah. they miss the guys in the locker room <clears throat> and you can find those guys in any locker room. I mean, I could tell you, uh, you know, there's great club programs. There's great division three programs. You know, there's a college hockey program for everybody. And I just think, again, you just have to find the right fit for you. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say, I want to be a division one hockey player. Well, that's, that's great. And obviously a lot of people could accomplish that. Uh, but there's a lot of work that goes into that, which most people listening today would not have a problem with, but you also got to be a little bit lucky. You know, you have to be a little bit lucky. You have to have a chance where you play well, the right kind of teams and the right kind of leagues. And then that person needs to see you play. So uh, we have found a, a little bit of a niche uh, to find those players uh, that need that chance. And you come in and we work with you and we develop you. You know, we, we try to help you to become the best player you could be, obviously on the ice and the best student uh, you could be off the ice and the best person you could be off the ice. And, and we think we've done a pretty good job of that. We're not the only school that could do that. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we've had a chance to be able to do that with a lot of guys over 33 years. Yeah, you guys absolutely have. And, and um, you know, when the question is what, you know, how do you get kids to come to, to, come to Erie uh, and play for Mercyhurst? I, I jokingly, but my mic was muted. It said, don't bring them in the wintertime. 
right? <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. But, you know, we, 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 we kid with kids all the time because we get a lot of kids that uh, will visit in the spring and sometime in the summer. And we always say, hey, the, the, the weather's like this all year round. <laughs> you know? and, and they always – they always laugh and, you know, but as you guys know, we're talking about hockey players and, yeah, yeah. you know, most of, most of these guys, uh, you know, if they're not from the colder climates, they certainly have played in colder climates. So, you know, we have a beautiful little campus and, uh, uh again, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a place that most people seem to like and, and, and people flourish at. So, so to the young men that are out there that might be in high school or playing juniors or whatever right now, um, what do you look for when you're recruiting guys to come into your team and your culture? Yeah. You know what we, uh, first thing we look for is, is great character, you know, and that's kind of a tough thing to judge, you know, cause everything's positive and you talk to people and it's positive and, you know, you really have to spend a lot of time with somebody through the good and the bad, you know, and, and we've had plenty of both over 33 years to really see the character, you know, it's like they say, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, hockey doesn't build character. It reveals character, yeah. you know, and uh, uh, you, know, you, you can't spend, you know, you're going to hang up for me and go, hey, Rick, hockey was a great guy, you know, but you don't really know me. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not, you know, I, I like to think I am. But but bottom line is, is that you really have to spend time with people. And the only way we could do that is through the course of a hockey season. So, you know, we, we try to find the guys that we feel have the right character to fit into our program. Uh, and then, the, you know, from an athletic standpoint, the thing that jumps out for me is, you know, hockey sense you know how does he think the game how does he see the game and right with that would be skating ability you know um you know we like to play a very up-tempo style we, we like to play fast we like to play you know you know get into the offensive zone as quickly as possible and obviously you need to be able to skate now we have plenty of guys that uh maybe aren't the best skaters uh you know but they they can get there they can get from point a to point b and I think the other thing is for a school like ours, um, a program like ours, we understand it's a little bit of a give and take as well, you know. So we, we kind of get the kind of kid that we've been seeing for the last 33 years. You know, we, we, we're not a program yet that's getting guys from the national development program. I mean, that, that just hasn't happened yet, you know. And, and to be fair, we really haven't recruited much from the U.S. National Development Program. We've, we've put our resources and our money and, you know, recruiting budget in, in other areas where we've gotten kids before, you know, and we know we've had some success with them. So, you know, it's, it's, there's probably two or three really, really important things uh, that, that we think are, are premium to being a Mercyhurst Laker and playing, playing hockey here. Now, Coach, with, with all your, your, your uh, knowledge and years in the game, and at the, being at the different levels, what differentiates a club player, Division three player, Division two player, Division one player? Is it the you know I I think it's a fine line. I, I really do. I, I think it's again. I I think it's easy to go into a game and and, and pick that you know that top guy you know or those <clears throat> five or six top guys on both teams. I I think everybody knows who that. Who those guys are. I, I think it's a whole nother thing to, you know, to take that look below them and say, okay, what's the next tier or the third tier or where is, you know, how can this guy develop? You know, what has he done, you know, through his career to this point? Like there are some guys, as you know, that can just score goals, you know, and, you know, we have guys that lots of people pass on, but all they've done is score goals everywhere they've been. And for a lot of those guys, it translates to the college game. I mean, you know, it's hard to teach guys how to score goals. You know, we could, you know, we could teach defense. You know, it is hard to, you know, scoring goals is a skill. You know, that's a skill that, you know, that that in some cases almost a little bit God-given ability. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it. I really believe it's a fine line. And, uh, you know, I would say like our top-end guys could probably play uh, on a lot of teams in the country. And I would tell you that top end guys in some division three programs could probably play in a lot of teams, you know, that play division one hockey. 
you know, they just get missed for whatever reason. Uh, maybe their grades weren't as, as great as they needed to be. Or, you know, again, you just need to have a little bit of luck. You know, you need to be able to just have somebody that, you know, you catch somebody's eye and somebody falls in love with you as a, as a person and a player. And now you're given opportunity and now you make the best of that opportunity. Right. So, so would it be fair? So <clears throat> earlier this year, we saw something that, that has never happened before is when you had a ACHA division one team beat an NCAA division one team. Okay. Um, listening to you talk right there. And I don't want to speak for you coach by no means, but that surely sounds like you, you weren't shocked by that. No, not at all. Not, right. Especially as you know, in one game, anything could happen. Sure. You know, uh, oh. but not at all. I, I could tell you, you know, there's great coaches everywhere, you know, and the, the AHCA have, they have great coaches. Uh, um, you know, division three have great coaches. I mean, I, you know, I, I could go on and on and on. I mean, uh, not shocked at all. And I could tell you all it takes is, uh, you know, three or four or five key guys having a great night. You know, and that could easily happen. I'm not surprised at all. How do you think you've seen the game change during your tenure? You know what? I, you know, the, the, I think the game is better than it used to be. And, you know, put on my rules committee hat a little bit, you know, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I, I think again, I think it's, uh, um, it, you know, putting the skill back in the game. You know, when, when I played, I wasn't a very good player. I had like a, a 30 pound red Titan hockey stick that I thought was a, I thought it was a defensive tool. I didn't realize that use a hockey stick to, to be offensive. I would just put that under your, you know, under your arm and pull you in and hold you back. And, you know, and that, that was a good play back then, you know, I mean, uh, and then what happened, you know, the, the national hockey league realized uh, that they wanted to make the game, you know, better for the fans and the paying lots of money to, to, to watch our great game. Uh, so they took the initiative of how can we put skill back in our game? You know, it's funny every now and then I'll be sitting on the NHL network here and uh, they'll show a game from 1972 or 1973. And it's crazy. The holding and the hooking <laughs> <laughs> the, the tripping and, you know, and then I think they, 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 they said, Hey, this isn't good. You know, let's let guys like Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby and Mario Lemieux. Could you imagine if uh, guys like Lemieux and Crosby uh, or Crosby does, but Lemieux and Gretzky and Steve Eiserman and, you know, the list goes on. If they played today, you know how they I mean, I'm, I'm watching Gretzky on the NHL network in a game from the, the from the eighties. He's got four guys holding him. I mean, you know, he's trying to get to the net and four guys are holding him. I mean, he's wrapped up tight, you know, so, you know, it, again, the game has become so much better. It's uh, it's fast. It's open. It's offensive. Uh, the skill players uh, really show their skill. And I can tell you there's skill everywhere. I mean, you, you know, the, the modern defenseman today uh, has great skill. You know, uh, uh, you know, there, there's no more room on an NHL team, you know, for a guy that could just take penalties and be a tough guy. You know, that so-called tough guy, a, a Tom Wilson in Washington, you know, that so-called tough guy can, could score you 30 goals. You yeah. know, I mean, I mean, that's just the reality, you know. So uh, the game has become such a better game to play. It's a better game to coach. And it's certainly, in my opinion, a much better game to watch. What changes, what changes do you think still need to be made to maybe improve it even more? Well, I think everybody is still trying to find ways to improve goal scoring. You know, and again, you know, we talked about the kind of skill that you need to, to score goals. But I think, I think people want to see offense. You know, uh, uh, some of the best games I've ever been involved in have been 1-1 ties, 0-0 ties. I know it's crazy, but it's been up and back and great goaltending and everything else. So I think we have to continue to do that. I can tell you what I what I don't love. I And again, you know, I, I, I'm on the rules committee and we spend lots of time talking. I, I don't love video. You know, I think I think that's taken it. It's changed our game dramatically. And, you know, we use video so much. And there are times we still can't get it right. Uh, I could tell you, I think we've made a really hard game for our officials even harder. You know, now, you know, 
uh, things were happening in real time and people with cell phones in the stands, they're, they're sending stuff out, you know, in real time, a hit, a goal, a save, whatever, you know, and the officials don't see it. Now they're going to video. Video is hard to sometimes it's not as clear cut. I, I think we've made a really, really tough game, even harder for our on ice officials. Uh, and I feel awful for them. Um, you know, and a lot of times we're refereeing the game now uh, on, on Monday and not on, you know, Friday or Saturday. They're going back and they're looking at things that happened. You know, I think, you know, in the course of a hockey game, in the course of a season, I think things tend to balance out. And I would prefer that we put the human element, let the referees do their job. They make mistakes just like coaches, just like players. Let them do their job. I thought the game was a terrific game without the video, but I also understand, you know, the reasons why video's here. We want to get it right. Um, so video's here to stay. It's it's not going anywhere, but I just think it's I think it's too much. I mean, a skate blade being a you know a, a, a millimeter above a blue line is offsides. You know, when when three people just made an unbelievable play to score a beautiful goal, somebody's skate blade is a little bit over the, you know, uh, not even over the line, but above the line. And now we have no goal. I mean, I just think that's tough. I think the video should be used um, for two things. I think it should be done to review major penalties. Okay. If a major penalty should be called before we throw this kid out or this NHL guy out, let's go look at it. And I think you should use it to review a goal. Was it in or not? Did it cross the goal line or not? Did it hit the post? You know, did the goalie grab it? Uh, I think that's where the video should be. But it definitely has changed our game. And again, just from my perspective, um, I'm not sure it's, it's really helped our, our game a lot. I would ask you if video ever helped you but it still sounds like it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it does. you know what? It, uh, I'm not a big tech guy. I think video, I think video for players, you know, individual yeah. videos, team video as, as a learning tool is awesome. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you, like I said, I know videos here to here to stay. Um, but I think again, I just think it's, uh, I think we've I think we've changed this game for the referees, and I think we've made it so difficult for the referees to do their job. They're so concerned about you know what's the video going to show? Did I make a mistake? Did I not make it? And it's a tough game, right? Well, obviously, yeah, it I, it would be foolish of us not to discuss uh, your guys' nav navigation through the season uh, with the pandemic. Um, but it, it, let, let's talk a little bit about your your normal division and and who you played this year okay um and and more more or less since we're the ohio hockey digest since a lot of schools did not do a lot of traveling this year far places uh would you ever see yourself uh, in a league or a division with uh, other schools in the geographic region like ohio i mean we've got how many division one schools within this small little region you know robert morris you guys Ohio State, Bowling Green, Miami, you know, could you see that ever occurring? Absolutely. I, you know, and again, I think we're, we, we've seen lots of realignment and different league changing and things like that. And, and we just witnessed again here, you know, six months ago or, or a year ago, the, the rebirth of the CCHA. You know, and you just described the CCHA, right. um, you know, minus the Big Ten schools. You know, so uh, I could absolutely tell you that, uh, um, you know, that that could absolutely happen. Uh, a Robert Morris, a Mercyhurst uh, would, would certainly have an interest in potentially. And we love I can't speak for Robert Morris, but I can tell you Mercyhurst loves where we're at in Atlantic hockey. Uh, but I can tell you geographics is, is a big, big thing. And to your point with the pandemic, you know, a year ago at this time, we didn't even think we'd be playing hockey. You know, and the fact that we were able to play 22 or 24 games is is a credit to so many people. And we stayed in our pod and our pod really, like you said, is Robert Morris, us, uh, Canisius in Buffalo, New York, uh, University of Niagara in Niagara Falls, New York, RIT in Rochester, New York. Uh, and we stayed right in our pod. Uh, we had no overnight trips at all. 
Everything was, we left a day of a game, we played the game and we came back. And our furthest trip was to Rochester. And that was about three hours away, but going to, you know, Buffalo, Niagara Falls and Pittsburgh, you know, those were, you know, we wouldn't go overnight there anyway. Uh, problem is, you know, we only have the five teams, you know, um, and that's probably not sustainable to keep doing year after year. So we're, we're confident we're going to get back into, you know, a normal Atlantic hockey schedule next year and play the teams out in the east of, you know, Boston, New England and, and whatnot. But uh, I think there's still expansion. I know teams that are still looking to try to find different leagues, whether that be Long Island University, Alabama, Huntsville. Um, you know, and, and then who knows you keep here and maybe Navy's going to go the varsity route. Uh, uh, who knows about where Arizona is going to end up? Uh, University of Illinois, what are they going to do? Uh, so I think you're going to continue to see growth in our game, which absolutely we have to continue to have. But if you're going to have growth in the game, you need a place for those teams to, to land. You know, I don't think many people are interested in spending the kind of money it takes to play Division One athletics and not have a league to be in. Um, so I could definitely see that. And I could definitely tell you, you know, some of those great club teams like at Ohio University and, and so many through the state of Ohio, um, as you keep adding emerging programs, I think you're going to see leagues continue to, uh, to add members and maybe even see a new league or two pop up. That's great. So, that's Coach, that's we know we know the season just finished, and obviously the the NCAA tournament is about to begin this week. But with all that's gone on this season with the pandemic and all those trials to, to, that you guys have had to navigate, what are your off season plans, and what are you most looking forward to building toward next season? Well, it's interesting because last year at this time, everybody left campus real fast. We had no spring workouts. Uh, we had no person-to-person -person individual meetings. Our individual meetings took place just like this on the on the Zoom in June. Um, and, and it was really, really hard. It was, uh, I think it was very difficult for the players. So our season is, is over, like you said. There's 16 teams that are fortunate enough to still be playing. But uh, we're going to start uh, uh, next Monday uh, uh, back in the weight room in small groups uh, of 10. And then we're going to start uh, skill sessions three times a week in those same uh, groups of 10 uh, for about a half hour, uh, three times a week, just working on uh, passing and shooting and skating and agility and, and things like that. We'll get our guys uh, through physical fitness testing so they'll have a base of where they're at when they leave. They'll get an off-season workout program from our strength and conditioning coach, uh, and they'll send stuff in all summer. Last summer, they had no access to, to gyms and, and health clubs. I mean, if a guy was lucky, he had a set of barbells in his basement, you know, and a lot of guys didn't even have that. So you know, we were no different than any other program in the country so we're looking to kind of make up some 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 areas that we missed last year and we're a young team you know so last year i think we had like 12 or 13 uh uh freshmen that are now sophomores and we couldn't even work with them we couldn't even talk about like this is how you work out in the summer you know so our guys did a great job of, uh, of figuring it out. Our strength and conditioning coach, Tyler Travis, did a great job of coming up with workouts for guys that didn't have weights, you know, just using body weight and stuff like that. So we were really, really happy with the way our guys came back. And then, like you said, we weren't even sure if we were even going to play hockey. And until we dropped the puck at Bowling Green sometime in November, of this past year, um, you know, we, we, we were never convinced, but we were fortunate, you know, we were able to get uh, all but four games in that we had scheduled. We played uh, four non-conference games, uh, you know, which we didn't think we were going to be able to play. So all in all, you know, we were very, very happy that, uh, that we got a chance to play the hockey this year. What about for you? What are you going to do with your off season? Any trips <laughs> well, planned? I mean, you're either at a USA hockey function, you're on campus, you're all over the place promoting hockey. What about yourself? What do you do for downtime? Uh, you know what? Uh, just really, I, we, my, my wife and I just do a lot of stuff together, you know? So, you know, I keep saying a year ago at this time, we were, you know, everybody was locked in and uh, I thought the world was going to end. And, 
you know, it was, it was scary looking back at it. So, you know, we're just looking forward. We know we have some projects that we started last year uh, around the house, you know, painting the basement and, you know, getting some landscaping done and stuff like that. So we're going to continue to build on that. Uh, our son is getting married in June. So we're looking forward to, uh, uh, to the wedding and, and, and seeing some family that we really haven't seen in a while. And, you know, because of the pandemic and distance and everything else. So, uh, I'm nothing, nothing real, uh, real crazy from our standpoint, but you know, we do a lot of things around here. You know, we're fortunate as you know, to have Lake Erie sitting here, like you folks yeah. do and yeah. Presque Isle state park. And, you know, we throw the chairs in the car and we go down six miles and, you know, we plop down on the beach on a Sunday morning and just relax and have a cup of coffee. So nothing spectacular, but it's, uh, it's very relaxing. Good. Good. I do. I do want to go back real quick. Uh, uh, I do like listening about your downtime. Trust me. Though, but, um, one of the things that we've we've talked to many coaches about it in the NCAA uh, uh, arena is, you know, how did they get? How did you guys get through the season? How was it when the kids left? How you know how was it with them coming back? One of the things that we never talked about, and this is something I was just thinking about as we were as we were you were talking about uh, the kids in the weight room and all that stuff. How difficult was it this year to properly recruit? Yeah, it was, it was really, really hard. So, you know, we have no on-campus visits and, you know, coaches can't, can't go out and watch games live. So that's been a huge, huge challenge. You know, we, we're fortunate because we only graduate one senior, you know, we've been a young team. So, uh, you know, but as you know, recruiting really is two, three, sometimes four years in advance. Not, we're not one of those schools that commits kids for four years from now, but we do watch kids, you know, so it'd be nice to, to finally once, once some of those uh, restrictions are lifted and we're hoping that that's going to happen at, at some point, uh, it feels like that's coming, you know, hopefully we can keep going the right direction with vaccinations and, and things like that. So, uh, but, you know, we've been recruiting through zoom and it's a, it's a challenge, you know, just like this, trying to tell kids about why they should consider Mercyhurst and, you know, our program and what it, you know, how it could help them and, and whatnot. But like I said, we've been fortunate because we only graduate one guy and we may bring in one, one kid. We may not, you know, we like all our guys that we have coming back. Uh, but then next year at this time, we'll, we'll be graduating probably about uh, seven or eight seniors so you know we we need to find some kids but you're absolutely right it's been a huge huge um uh, adjustment for everybody even the kids not to be able to visit a school is tough right and then and then choosing a school and your first your first experience on the school is you're quarantined for seven days seven to ten days you know absolutely and and that's just you know it just it's it's it was a bad situation for all and and you're right i i think jay and i both would agree with you a year ago we would sit there and, and it was scary because we, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we've never lived through any of this, right. You know, so, but well, Hey coach, we, we can't thank you enough for coming on, uh, talking to us a little bit about yourself, about Mercyhurst, uh, the great things that's happening there, uh, talking about uh, NCAA hockey. So we really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us tonight. Well, listen, I, I like to thank you for having me. Um, you know, Ohio is, uh, I, I always tell people, you know, Cleveland's a suburb of Erie. So, uh, you know, we, we love our, we love our friends in Ohio. Just don't root um, for our sports had- teams. Just don't root for the sports teams. You drive I'm yourself a, I'm nuts. A, I'm a big, I'm a big Browns fan, you know, so uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we love we we love the Browns, you know, but uh, uh, you know what? We've had some great Ohio kids, as you know, that have come mm-hmm. through, you know, Pat Goble and Danny Bancha and uh, Seth Greenberg back before there was electricity. And uh, <laughs> uh, we, we've had some tremendous, tremendous Stephen Ippery, mm-hmm. um, you know, both both Stephen Jr., who's here now and his dad. Steven senior. So, you know, we've been blessed with some great Ohio players and Ohio is an unbelievable hockey state. You guys are doing a great job. The youth hockey coaches, the high school coaches, the junior coaches. I mean, I can't say enough. Uh, uh, the development you folks are doing with these kids is outstanding and we look forward to getting more and more Ohio kids. So thank you for everything you do for our great game and everything you do to promote hockey. All right. Thanks coach. Thanks, thanks for coach. joining Appreciate us. Talk to you soon. The third period of this episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast 
is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The 2021 USPHL NCDC Combines are set to take place in Detroit, Michigan, April 23rd and 24th, and Chicago, Illinois, May 14th and 15th. Players born between January 1st, 2001 and December 31st, 2005 will be eligible. Limited openings available for all positions. The USPHL and its tuition-free division, the NCDC, are providing an unparalleled comprehensive on and off ice recruiting opportunity for players from throughout the United States. More than 150 players committed to college hockey over the 2019-2020 NCDC season alone. And there are currently over 50 Division I committed players skating in the NCDC. Register at www.usphl.com forward slash combines. Well, Lev, what an unbelievable conversation we had there with head coach of the Mercyhurst University Ice Hockey Program, Coach Rick Gotkin. Uh, the guy, and, and I know our listeners can't see this uh, Zoom call. They just listened to it. But his, um, his hands were all over the place. I mean, I'm just from New York, and no disrespect to our New York friends, but he was all talking with his hands. And he was telling that story about Wayne Gretzky. He's hugging himself. I see <laughs> very, very, very animated and very emotional in a good way guy. I'll tell you what, for, for those that are out there that are listening to this, that, that in itself still amazes me. But if you get a chance to go to a USA hockey coaches clinic and, and I strongly advise anyone getting into hockey to do that, because it'll give you an idea about the game. Some, some folks out there are brand new and it, it can be intimidating and you'll, you should get the chance to, to listen to coach God can speak. And you know, I've heard him speak on a few different occasions at a, at a USA function and to hear him here, as you said, animated, excitable, um, just a, he's an overall people person and, and being a Long Island guy like our old buddy, uh, Dave Starman, they talk with their hands. They're, they're emotional in, in good sense. Um, what he's been able to accomplish in his entire tenure. I mean, the fact that he's been in the same place in a coaching profession for 33 years is that in itself is amazing. The fact that he's constantly giving back and, and doing youth clinics and, and youth things throughout Erie and, and other places, doing USA hockey functions, uh, uh, helping on the, or uh, being a part of the uh, uh, rules committee in NCAA. I know he's had a couple other stints and some other uh, coaching uh, uh, avenues as far as, as his, his expertise. I'm exhausted because he, he's so full of life that it was just energetic. Mm-hmm. And after a full day of work, that's worn me out. But he was a great talk. Um, I look forward to, to watching and, and checking out more Mercy Her stuff as we've seen a bit of it over our years. And, and Coach Gotkin's been a part of all that. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a great discussion. And you know what I, I like what he said, that there is a college for everybody. You know, and, and, and you know, I want our listeners that, that might be a parent of a player who's looking or the players that are looking to move on to rewind that and listen to it. Uh, he mentions division one isn't the end. Like it's not the end be all. You don't have to do that. He, he talked about some of the top tier division three kids that for some, whatever reason, they're good enough to play at the division one level. They were just missed. And it's no, no disrespect. And I'm sure. And, and I, I don't know, I don't know if he would say this, but I'm sure he would say there's some division one players that we took that we missed as well. Probably shouldn't have taken. Yeah. You know, so well, that'll do it for episode 45 of On Air. We would like to thank Rick Gotkin, head coach of the Mercyhurst Lakers, for joining us tonight. We're continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest. Podcast. In a happy home, I was a king, I had a golden throne. Those days are gone, now the memories on the wall. The songs from the places where I was born. Upon a hill across the blue lake, that's where I had my first heartbreak. I still remember how it all changed. My father said, Don't you worry, don't you worry, child. She has got a plan for you. Don't you worry, don't you worry now